right? So, we are finishing our series called Kingdom People today. I was supposed to do this message last week on fruitful families, and this week I was supposed to be doing something about businesses. I can't remember what I call kingdom business, but I'll need to talk about that some other time, I guess. Today we are concluding with kingdom families. And I want to start off with a really fantastic quote from Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa says, people are always saying, we're always saying to her, um, how can I change the world? I, I want to change the world. And she said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Because her observation was that the majority of the problems that her ministry dealt with, poor people, orphans, the homeless, all of that kind of stuff, it was because those people had no loving family who were supporting them, who were looking after them. They, their families were broken, they were lost, they were individuals, they were alone. And her insight was, if we would all just go home and love our families, there wouldn't be lonely, broken, homeless, hurting people who needed organizations to go and help them. And so the foundation is the family. And I, I now, when I'm talking about families here, I want you to notice that she said, go home and love your family. She didn't say go home and disciple your family, go home and discipline your family, go home and do a Bible study with your family. She said, go home and love your family. Sometimes Christians, well, I don't know. I don't really know that I've ever met Christians like this, but I do listen to Christian radio sometimes. And these people are on Christian radio, okay? When they talk about family, have you ever heard this? You've been listening to, say, Christian radio, and they're talking about family. And it sounds like, instead of it being a blessing, it's like, and if you're a parent, here's another responsibility, and yet another responsibility, and another one, and another one, and another one. And it's like, you're, you're overburdened. It's almost like you are now, maybe not the savior of the world, but you're now the savior of your family. And if you don't do all these things, then you won't be looking after your family. And it begins to sound like a job description. You know, being a parent is a job description. Last week, I switched the Christian, one of the Christian radio stations on, and there was somebody there talking about being a grandparent. And they were talking about the 67 rules for grandparents. 67! And how it is the responsibility of grandparents to instill these 67 rules into their grandchildren. And I'm like, is it? I thought it was the responsibility of grandparents to give their grandkids candy and stuff like that. So we're not talking about becoming some kind of, of little cult. Um, think of the movie, The Sound of Music. Remember the dad? He had his family well-disciplined. 
In fact, it looked really impressive. They all marched about. They even, they even looked like they were in a little cult, wearing all the clothes and all of that. They all marched about. That wasn't what they needed. What they needed was love. And so the nun Maria comes into the house, and of course she eventually becomes their stepmother, but she loves them. They needed love. And so I am not, when I'm talking about families, I'm not talking about um, starting family devotion nights, having a bunch of rules and regulations. I'm talking about being a normal, healthy, loving family. That's it, okay? And so three things I want to say about that today. So let's go on to the next slide. The first thing is this, the Bible is filled with the centrality of families. Do you know that before, long before God invented the church, he invented the family? In fact, that was the first corporate group of people. The, the family was God's idea. And it is central in Scripture. We see it all the way through Scripture. Let's look on. Let's look at the next slide. Have a look at this. So Genesis, then God said, let us make human beings in our image. They will be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Now look at this. Male and female, he created them. Both male and female are in the image of God, even though God is regarded as he there, when he doesn't just make man in his image, but male and female. I want you, if you were to read that whole passage, you would find out that everything God has created is, or it involves two things that seem to be the opposite, but together they make a whole, heaven and earth, the land and the sea, day and night, male and female. You need to put day and night together to get one 24-hour day. You need to put the land and the sea together to get the whole globe. You need to put heaven and earth together to get the whole of creation, okay? And you need to put man and woman together to get the family unit. And so male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, have a family, right? Be fruitful and multiply. And by the way, that was a blessing. I know they don't always feel like a blessing, but that was a blessing. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Okay, let's go on. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. I have given every green plant as food for all of the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. So, now, if you come, for, if you were brought up in a family where things were not very good, you could have a negative view, obviously, of what family life is like. But in God's kingdom, the way God intended 
families and everything else to be, it is supposed to be very good. So as we read through scripture, we see the centrality of families all the time. The family is the center of everything in scripture. First of all, we find out in the Bible that God brings couples together. Do you know there's, there is this really interesting story in the book of Genesis and Abraham wants to find a wife for his son Isaac and so he says to his servant Gehazi, I want you to go and find a wife for my son Isaac. But Gehazi doesn't want to come back with the wrong woman, okay? So in this story, Gehazi prays and he says to God, you know who the perfect bride is for Isaac. I don't know, but you know. And I pray that you would organize a certain series of events so that I will know who this woman is when I meet her and she will say such and such a thing to me. And he prayed all that and it all happened. The series of events happened. This woman came to him. She said the statement to him, which was, would you like me to get you some water from the well and I will get water for your camels as well? And she said that sentence and he thought, this is her, this is the one. And so he goes back to her house and tells her father and offers them whatever, all the gifts and all of that. And she becomes Isaac's wife. That through the, a, a divine appointment, God brought couples together. God blesses couples with children, you know? And so you need to remember at three in the morning when you've got, Wah! and all of this, and teething going on, that might not feel like a blessing, but it's producing character in you or something like that, okay? God blesses couples with children. You'll see it so often in Scripture, people who are infertile and can't have children, God blesses them with children. You know, many years ago, I used to visit Nigeria regularly. I used to go there once a year. And um, I don't actually know all the reasons for this. Maybe I should talk to some of the Nigerians after the service. But, um, but a doctor told me it, it is something to do with the climate. One of the things I noticed is that infertility amongst women is very high in Nigeria. It's much higher than, than it is here. And so in healing services, we, we would include this in healing services here. But in Nigeria, when you see an advert for a healing service or whatever, it would say forgiveness, healing, deliverance from barrenness. Because that is a blessing that so many women are looking to receive that deliverance from barrenness. And we see that in the culture, in the Bible a lot. It, you know, um, God blessing couples with children. In the Bible, we see families becoming extended families and sticking together. Um, whether, whether that's Abraham and his wife decide to go out with, on a journey and he thinks, I'm going to take my nephew and his family with me because he's on his own and they become an extended family. Or whether that's a story of Ruth and Naomi. And uh, if you know the story well, Ruth um, was married to Naomi's son, but then he died. So did Naomi's husband die. 
So Naomi is going to travel back to Israel and Ruth says, I will go with you. Even though she's not a blood relative, she says, I will go with you. So she goes with her and Naomi continues to be her mother-in-law. And then when Ruth marries Boaz, Boaz now has a mother-in-law who is not a blood relative of either Boaz or Ruth. And so you see these extended families beginning to take place. The home is the center of everything in the Bible. It's the center of life. It's the center of faith. You think in the Old Testament, they would go to the temple maybe three or four times a year. They were supposed to go three times a year. They could go more often. But the rest of their faith took place in the home as they had a Sabbath meal together and as they prayed together. Their business was in their home. They were homesteaders. They ran home-based businesses, okay? Their, their social life was in their home. The family was the center of everything. And people without families, we see them in the Bible being incorporated into families. Look at this next verse. Psalm 68, God places the lonely in families. He sets prisoners free and gives them joy. So you might be sitting there thinking, well, this message doesn't apply to me. I don't have a family. I'm on my own. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go and eat worms and I'm just going to sit on my own. No, God is going to take lonely old you and incorporate you into a family. In fact, you're in a family right now. Welcome to the family of God. We are brothers and sisters and we have the same father. We have a spiritual family here. So that's the, my first point is that families are central in Scripture. The second point is that the Bible is full of kingdom principles for families. Now, there's some in the Old Testament and some in the New Testament. But just before I show you them, next week we begin our Advent season, okay? And so um, we're going to be thinking about the Christmas story and the Christmas story shows us the centrality of families. Let me just show you this really quick. Let's go on to Luke. Luke's gospel, chapter one. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. What's more... Your relative, Elizabeth, immediately the angel's message includes the wider family, okay? Has become pregnant in her old age. And so Mary says, yeah, it's great. I, re I believe it and it's going to happen. Let's read on. Uh, go, go to the next slide. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her. Do you know that the first person to recognize the Savior of the world was an unborn baby? Isn't that interesting? Do you notice it didn't say and the lifeless clump of cells within her leapt for joy. Do you notice that? 
God was busy knitting that baby together in his mother's womb, just like he did with all of us. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and said, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. I'm wanting to point out the family in this story. And then down here, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own house. You know, there's a real key there. When something dramatic has happened in your life and you don't know what to do, go to your family. That was what Mary did. And she went and she spent three months there with her family. We see, and we're going to see that in the next few weeks, the family coming up, the like the, the nuclear family, if you like, but also the extended family comes up in the story again and again and again. So let's look at some uh, principles. Let's go on. These are all from the Old Testament. It's just a smattering. I mean, you'll find lots, but from Exodus, Psalms, Deuteronomy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land. Because if you don't honor them, you won't live long. You know, that, that was a joke. But anyway, um, in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then Psalms tell us children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are, are a reward from him. And Deuteronomy tells us these commands that God has given us are to be on our hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit down at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, your faith is supposed to be a normal, regular part of your family life. Kingdom principles for the family from the Old Testament. And when we get into the New Testament, we see the same. Colossians, Ephesians, 1 Timothy. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That one verse there is really profound. Um, psychologists who deal with uh, relationships say this. They say that the greatest emotional need that most women have is for affection. And the greatest emotional need that most men have is for respect. Now, God must know that. He, God knew that long before psychologists did. And so God said, men, love your wives because the greatest emotional need they have is for affection. And wives, respect your husband because the greatest emotional need they have is for respect. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now you might say, I haven't denied the faith. I love Jesus. I'm just a lazy slob. That's all it is. Isn't it interesting that in our Western culture, we separate faith, we separate faith into two things. There's what you believe and how you live. 
But that's not how it is in the Bible. We think we can have a strong faith, but not actually live it. But in the Bible, if you believe something, it becomes a way of life. Let's read on. In Aramaic-speaking cultures today, you know, there are lots of, uh, um, in Syria and around those areas, there are lots of churches that go all the way back to the times of Jesus. They still speak Aramaic like Jesus did. Many of those churches were devastated and hundreds of our brothers and sisters killed by ISIS over the last few years when they invaded those areas. But many of the communities survived. And if you were to visit those Christians there, they don't think Christianity is just a bunch of doctrines that you believe. In Aramaic-speaking cultures, they still see Christianity as a way of life. A way of life that includes your faith, it includes your family, it includes your church, it includes your business, it includes your community. If you're a Christian, you live a certain way. You don't just believe certain things. And your family is important, not just a nuclear family like we have in the West, but relatives and extended families and adopted family members are so important. So number one, the family is central in Scripture. It's in everything. It's right at the beginning of creation. It's to do with our faith. It's to do with everything that we do in life. And in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, this was my second point, there are kingdom principles. So here's my third point. And this is something that I have, I shared already in this message series when we were talking about the ecclesia, about the church. But I want to share it again. And I feel that this principle is going to be really important around the world. Because when we went through the pandemic, there was a, there was a, a, a season of time and there could be again in the future where we weren't even allowed to meet in small groups in people's homes or whatever. So how do we keep our faith going then? We, we keep it in the family. And so this point is turn your home into a sanctuary. Turn your home into a sanctuary. Point one, invite Jesus into your home to be the head of your house and to come and have fellowship with you. Remember how we encouraged you to do what they did in the, in the Passover? Go to your door and open up your door and invite Jesus to come in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone open the door and welcome me in, we shall have supper together, Jesus said. Invite him into your house. And then I said, take some oil and put a cross on your door the way they did with the lamb's blood and, and the, the Passover and pray for God to put a shield of protection around your home. Well, most of you, I guess, did that. Somebody in the church recently sent us in a testimony. She lives in an apartment and she did that. And she said she did the cross with the oil and the wine on her doorpost months ago. And then she said, 
The apartment that she lived in was flooded. The, the, the floor she was in was completely flooded. And so people were being evacuated and so on. But in her apartment, she said, when you got to the door, you could still see this red wine cross on the doorpost and the flood water stopped right at her front door, did not go into her apartment, did not destroy her stuff. The neighbor's stuff were destroyed. And she was really excited and she said, you know, I prayed that prayer of protection for my home and it worked. God protected me from a flood, you know. So invite Jesus into your home. Behold, I stand at the door. Secondly, have a Sabbath type meal with your household. I don't mean a religious ceremony. I mean, laugh and tell each other jokes and share stories from your life with one another and pray together and just have a meal together. But as part of it, take communion. Take the Lord's Supper together. The Bible says in Acts 2, they, they shared meals in their home and took the Lord's Supper and prayed together. Now you might say, like I'm new to all this and I don't really know what to say if I pray. Just pray the Lord's Prayer together. That will start you off. And then number three, if you're making your home a sanctuary, if you've invited Jesus into it, if you're going to regularly have a Sabbath meal knowing that he will sup together with you, have communion and pray for one another, go one step further. Jesus said, if just two or three of you gather in his name, anything you ask shall be given. So adopt your whole street and start to pray just two or three of you together for the neighbors on this side and the neighbors on that side and that noisy neighbor with the barking dogs across the road bless them and pray for them and ask that God would start a revival in your street and watch for the way God will open your eyes for opportunities to bless your neighbors and to be used as part of the body of Christ. Family is central to God. It was one of the first things he created. Number, and if you're not in a family, he'll adopt you into one. Number two, there are principles throughout the Bible, both the Old and New Testament, for how a kingdom family, a family that is under the king, functions. And number three, make your home, your apartment, your trailer, your tent, wherever you live, make it a sanctuary. Invite Jesus to be part of it, to be your provider and your protector. And as a family or a small group of household friends, begin to turn that into a place of worship and prayer. Come on church, let's stand together. We are going to close by saying the Lord's Prayer one more time. I hope you have a bigger understanding of what it means your kingdom come and your will be done in my life, 
and my family and my church and my community and my city so that's what we're going to pray this prayer are you ready church let's lift our hands up and on the count of three we'll pray one two three father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive others lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever let's give god a praise church